Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook. And welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening. I'm your host, David Cook. I have a very special guest, Jess Kaskoff from uh, the great state of Illinois, the great city of Chicago. Um, and the only reason I know all that, you know, because I asked her. But the other thing is, is that I just you know, hope I'm on my game today. But I just spent four days on the road driving from uh, Phoenix, Arizona to the beautiful city of Detroit, Michigan. And after four days on the road, I'm a little bit foggy. Um, I realize now that even if I, I think if I made it an eight day trip, it would still be too hard. Every year I love going on the road. I love my bike, my my cycling trips and my road trips, but this, they're starting to like take their toll. I'm starting to like evaluate how many more years can I go cross country every summer? But anyway, here I am, here we are. And let's have a great session today. Um, I got introduced by, to Jess by a mutual contact of ours, my former producer for this show. And Jess actually was considering doing a doing a show. And I think that she decided maybe it wasn't quite time. But um, we had a great talk uh, at least a month and a half ago about soul salary. And I think that's we're gonna we're gonna get into it. But the really the cool thing about soul salary is is that you know we as a as professionals as we as individuals we spend a lot of time focusing on making sure. And when we talk about making sure, is making sure that we're getting paid what we think we need to get paid, making sure that we're in a position or a career that fulfills us and stuff like that. But as we get wrapped up in our busy day to day lives, there are things that we don't make sure of. Are we doing the things that give us energy? Are we doing the things that give us joy? Are we engaged in things that, you know, are we finding ways to politely say no because it doesn't fit our profile of what we need? And if you're like me, I find a lot of, you know, the, those years ago, I was so focused on my career that I think I gave up a lot of things. And there was a pivot for me probably 25 years ago where I realized that um, I was, I, I was multitasking and I succeeded. And when some of that, those tasks ended, I'm going, hey, I have all this free time. And I gave it back to myself. And when I did that, what it did was it it helped me you know, do things with my family, helped me do things with me. And I've, I've not, I wouldn't say mastered, but I have made a commitment to make sure I make time for the things that I want. And so uh, that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today is um, how we how we make time for the things that are important to us and make sure how we get paid, not financially, but we get that juice that we want that that we need to get from the things that really energize, inspire us, motivate us, give us you know joy, peace, energy, what it is. So that's my introduction. Jess, thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. What a cool introduction. I love kind of hear that you went through this journey about 25 years ago. That's really cool. And well, we could talk about that more, but yeah, it, it, you know, it was, um, well, we could talk about it now, but I really want, we'll, we'll come back to it. But anyway, tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do and how it uh, just is a game changer for you in your life. Oh, thank you. So Jess Kaskov, as, as Dave said, I am an author, life coach, and speaker. Um, and I really focus on the, the concept of soul salary, S-O-U-L. <laughs> um, and that's really around, you know, what, 
your what your soul feels um, valued. So as Dave said, it's not the financial salary that um, your career pays you. It's really the salary you pay yourself and your soul. Um, so that's the concept. And we'll talk more about that later, I'm sure. Um, but I think it's a, a interesting part of my story is that I started out as an engineering profession. Um, I was in food manufacturing for 15 years. Um, and I was an industrial engineer by trade, um, was in that successful career uh, for a while and really made a pretty big pivot <laughs> to author of a self-help book. Um, it was really fueled by um, a few events that happened in my life. Um, one being the company that I worked for announced, hey, we're having layoffs. And I said, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make the cut or not. Um, spoiler alert, I did, but that didn't stop my self-discovery journey. So kind of looked back on my 15-year career and said, what were my favorite roles? And it wasn't the operations role, the engineering role, the people leadership role per se. My favorite role was when I did an HR, human resource cross-functional role. When our plant was closing, I was put in charge of climate and culture. So supporting everybody through this big change um, and really realized that that was my favorite role. So just supporting others, that was one piece. The next piece was really um, realizing that the two manufacturing plants that I had worked in had both been closed. So it was not my legacy at my work was not the process I put in place or the machine equipment um, that I fixed. That's not the legacy. Those plants are closed. Those machines are elsewhere now. The legacy is the impact I had on people, the people I managed, the people I interacted with, any impact I had on them. That's what lasted. Um, so those two things really inspired me to look at supporting others. Um, and then I went on a journey um, step by step. As I call my book, I gave myself raises in soul salary until I got to the harder decision, which is the promotion. Um, and so maybe we can talk about that in a little bit. What, well, what are the steps? You know, it's interesting that you sit to talk about steps because for me, you know, I told you about my story and we'll, we will come back to that eventually. But, you know, I just kind of showed up one day and said, hey, you know, I did some analysis and I said, okay, this is this is how I'm going to do it. I wouldn't say it was real intellectual or it wasn't very formal. I'm definitely not an um, engineer, so I probably don't have <laughs> the same way of thinking about things as you do, or at least I don't formalize it. Let's just say that my brain goes and it's done and then I make a decision, whereas I don't map anything out. So what was what what's the sequence of events as you're going through things to the point where you get to promotion? Well, I think you said it right. I do have that industrial engineering mindset, which is very processed, but I also have the people side. People always used to say, you're an engineer, but you can talk to people. <laughs> so um, the steps for me um, were really around what, so the steps of soul salary, let's start there, are really first identifying where you're at. So are you minimum wage at soul salary? Are you middle class? Are you already a high earner? And that really has three categories, your basic needs, your joy, and your fulfillment. Um, so those are really what brings up your soul salary. So soul salary is the value your soul receives when you're in alignment with what feeds you, your soul and what brings you joy and what brings you fulfillment. So those are the, the first things. Where are you? And I realized I was not a high earner. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, and the the next thing you, you do is what I call um, demand minimum wage. You are the CEO of your life. Why aren't you paying yourself the minimum wage, which is minimally meeting your basic needs? Sleep, food, water, exercise, whatever your, your minimum needs are, time alone, um, mental health support, whatever it is. So I, that's where I started in my journey is what support do I need? And I realized that I was burned out, really burned out. And I think a lot of people are, especially young parents or parents in general. Um, and I was really burned out. So I pitched 
an idea to my boss, and this was one of my sole salary raises, um, was to go part-time. And that is not common when you work in 24-7 manufacturing. (laughs) Just the opposite. Right. Yes. You tend to work more. (laughs) And so I asked to go um, part-time, had a whole pitch. I talked to my mentors about how to pitch it. Um, and, And to my joy, they said yes. Um, we figured out how to how to make it work. And that is how I first got myself to a point where I felt like my cup was full enough that it could go on to others, right? So I felt like my self-cup had enough that I could give some of that that, that cup filling to others. Um, so that was the first step. Um, the next phrase I gave myself is uh, I became a life coach. So I became life coach certified by doing night school um, and really just learned how to how to take on that role. And I really feel like that certification and the people that I have coached really, really helped me write the book because I truly feel like the book is life coaching in a book form. Um, so I found through that, like my, my goal is really not to have an impact just one-on-one like that. That's great, but I really want to have a profound impact on the world. And I realized having one-on-one coaching life is not the only way to do that, right? The book is going to have a lot more people it reaches. And so that was, my life coaching was my next step. And I think that led me to the book, but I was still working in engineering during all of this. So the next thing I did was ask for a sabbatical. So my company offered sabbaticals. So did that. Um, and I started to write my book during that sabbatical. Um, towards the middle of the sabbatical, I realized I'm not going back. Um, I really, really enjoyed, um, you know, being, having my own time and being my own boss. And I decided to uh, eventually resign at the end of the summer and and become a full-time entrepreneur. So that was my promotion, right? So that's not a little raise that I'm taking. Um, to me, it was a really big deal uh, to leave, leave my company and, you know, a well-paying job and something I'm very successful at to try something totally new and a completely different career. So that was kind of my journey. Um, from, you know, raises and promotions, but of course there's the other side, which is bills, like what drains you and you have to also reduce those bills and t- make some budget cuts as well, as I call them in sole salary. So there's that whole other side as well. It's not all, uh, it's not all adding in more joy. You also have to decrease things that don't bring you joy or really just bring you a lot of discomfort or pain or, um, just very lacking in joy. So, so in this process, you start out, uh, you, you start out with an assessment. This is, this is where I am. Mm-hmm. And then do you, do you make a declaration, you know, cause I'm thinking like my strategic planning process, you make a declaration, is this where I want to be? Or do you just say, this is where I am and here's things that I need to start moving towards. I mean, how does, how no, is that? Excellent question. So the first is, you know, wh- where are you at? The second is you need to start with minimum wage. Like, what do I need to feel like I'm meeting my basic needs so that I trust myself, right? I need to be able to trust myself to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Start there, right? And then you ha- we do an ideal life visualization, or I call it ideal job, scratch that life visualization. Um, and you really focus in on your five senses. Like what do you, if, what, if, what if you had no consequences, you could do whatever you wanted um, and go through a whole visualization of that in the book. And we write down kind of what we saw, what we um, heard, whatever, all the five senses. And then from there, you say, what's different from my life now than from what I just wrote, right? And so it's interesting to when you start to see that, like, oh, 80% of what I wrote is not what I have right now. Or actually, I have most of that. There's just a few things I want to tweak. It is eye-opening when you allow your mind to come up with creative possibilities by taking out all parameters 
and saying, let's just visualize your ideal life. Right. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a starting there and then really understanding what are, um, kind of your non-negotiables, right? So you have this ideal job, but you need to know what your non-negotiables are as you look for this job, <laughs> as you try to obtain this job, um, at, you know, all of this is metaphorical to soul salary. Mm-hmm a real job it's you know the life you want um so your non-negotiables you know what are they in life you know so are they you know when you're when you're negotiating a job or looking for a job you say i want this salary i need to be in this location like there are non-negotiables in there right and there's also negotiables like maybe the number of vacation days doesn't matter as much or dental health is not needed or whatever you know you you have what you really will not budge on and what you are willing to and so with that we say okay you have this ideal life you understand that you're not there and where you're not there. Um, and then we say for that, like in this ideal life, what are things you are not willing to budge on? And it doesn't mean it also, it could mean like right now, I'm not willing to budge on it, but right now I don't have it. Right. So it's also that realization, like this is the most important thing to me, but I don't even have it right now. Um, and that really helps us kind of dive into the next chapters where we identify what, what I call your paychecks. So what feeds your soul? And that's what brings mm. you joy and what brings you fulfillment or your legacy. Those are your paychecks. Mm. And then we then we say, what are your bills? So that's what drains you. Those are things I call joy killers, which are others' expectations of you or your out-of-touch expectations with yourself. Um, and then we have soul suckers, <laughs> which is um, you know limiting beliefs and fears um, that are holding us back. So those are kind of the bills. Yes. <laughs> that's that's my. Those are my soul suckers. It's like. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I can relate to that one a lot because there's a lot of things that I can do, but I realize what I do is, is that I, by nature of telling myself that I can't, or I don't know if I can, um, that I, I, I think small and I operate small as a result of the fact of my self-limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. you and know, you're not- no, I know I'm not alone. Because if I was, if I was just the only guy, you, you know, coaches like you would have trouble paying your bills. <laughs> um, you need people like me who are stuck in this world of thinking small and behaving small because we've told ourselves a story that we can't be any bigger than what is practical. Yeah, yeah. And I will say the most profound work from this book is the bills work. It's so mm. fun to do the paychecks work. You're like, oh. Oh, this brings me joy. This is my legacy. It makes me feel fulfilled. And then when you get to bills, it's like, oh, the hard work. That's the hard work. And I say this in the intro. I go, if you are not willing to do the hard work, do not read this book because mm-hmm. you will not get out of it what you need. You have to be willing to take a look. Like you said, Dave, it seems like you're very conscious of the, hey, I have these limiting beliefs, right? And I think some people maybe don't realize that, or maybe they do and need to learn how to do something about it. So, you know, to make a, to make a salary, you have your paychecks and you have your bills. You can raise your paycheck to have a higher salary or you can reduce your bills. And what I have found is the reducing of bills is so much more effective, or you can go a lot more, you can go a lot further with reducing your bills um, than you can with increasing your salary because eventually with your paychecks, excuse me, increasing your paychecks, because eventually you run out of time or energy. If you still have all of these soul suckers and joy killers in your in your budget that are your bills, there's not much. There's only so much room of time and energy that you can add joy to, add fulfillment to, right? So I do feel like the bills work, although it can be not fun, is some of the most profound parts of the book. And we talk about like how to budget. I like puts a play on words, right? So we're gonna budget it, and then also I have a whole chapter on how to budget cut. So it's not just oh, let's do less of this. It's like, no, we're cutting this out completely. 
Um, so there's there's some challenges there too of really making the step, the scary step to take control there. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's um, I was when I listened to the the budget part, you know, and we're with. I already feel like we're spending more time on that, but like you said, that's probably where you spend the most time. But um, I'm thinking of the conversations I've had. I think I may have even had one last week on this on this show. But when we when I'm talking to people, the whole idea of setting boundaries, and when I talk about boundaries, it's what I will do, what I won't do, what I desire, and what I won't tolerate. And what I've done is I've created a construct of this is how I'm going to we'll call play the play the game, but it's not playing people. It's just how I'm going to play the game of me in the field of the game of life. And it's like what I will do. Here's the things that I'm this is this is what I'm committed to committed to me, committed to others, my family, my kids, whatever it is. This is my commitment to self. What I won't do is this is the things that if when I'm in integrity, I'm not doing those things because this is who I stand for. Mm-hmm. What I desire is that's my vision for my life. And it could be in relationship to others. You know, what I desire is for my my kids to find what they're looking for and to be successful, happy, and whatever it is in whatever endeavor they try, try for. And then what I won't tolerate are, are just behaviors that, like you say, I, I'm not doing that. If somebody, if somebody, you know, my two biggest um, won't tolerates are being taken advantage of and being lied to. And when that happens, it, it I'm just saying I will it'll it'll affect the relationship I'm in, whatever relationship it is, whether it's a work relationship or I'm coaching or even in my family. When that happens, it's like time out. This is going to destroy our relationship because if I can't trust you, I'm not going to be able to play with you. If I'm not going to be able to play with you, we're not going to have a relationship. Is that what you want? Is that the risk you want to run? And I'm very clear about the. Thing. And I think that's what you're saying is there's some things that you just say, I'm taking it out. I'm not, it's not going to be in my life anymore. It's but not, that's it's not negotiable, right? It's like even before you like you stop it before it's like you're like, you say, okay, that's a non-negotiable. You you're no longer in my ideal job or my ideal yep. life. You're no longer a coworker. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm just not doing it, you know, and, and, and it's funny because, you know, a lot of people, when we talk about, you know, and I was, I'm, I'll come back to your non-negotiable, sorry, I'm using boundaries because I'm going to confuse the audience, but anyway, um, I'll have to find a way to use your terminology in, in my example, but um, that's the challenge with boundaries because what we have to do is we have to give ourselves permission to live with those boundaries because what we want is we want other people to prove them, accept them and abide by them. And then they don't give a crap. <laughs> So this is really about me and my life and how I'm going to live my life. And that's what you're saying is, is that, you know, I'm going to, I have, this is the pay, this is the pay I deserve. And these are the things I'm going to take out or I'm going to manage or I'm going to do differently so that they don't drain me so that I'm realizing a better net profit as a result of all the stuff that I'm doing. Right. Is that kind of a fair staying with your analogy? Yes, absolutely. And I love what you said about there's who I am. And things that don't align with who I am is what you said, right? And then you also said people who don't align with what I allow. Um, mm-hmm. So that's showing two different things, right? I am this and I'm going to make sure I'm in integrity with myself. That's um, important to me. And then on top of that, you said if if someone's not, if someone lies to you, I think you said it. And uh, um, what was the other one takes advantage of you? Yeah. Um, if, if those happen, you either, you know, there's consequences to the action, right? It's either a limiting of the relationship or contact or eliminating that relationship completely. Um, and I think that's the hard thing that sometimes what comes out when we're ideating on budgeting are hard things, mm-hmm. very hard things. Um, you know, 
partners, family members, friends. And those are, that's why bill work is so hard. And it doesn't always have to be eliminate, right? It could just be reduce um, or have tough conversations with if that relationship is really important to your life. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's tough conversations, you know, like that's hard for a lot of people, um, but super necessary, especially if you um, want to progress in a relationship. I mean, I think often um, an easy thing to do is eliminate a relationship, but the question you need to ask yourself is, do I want this to work? Cause if I do, we're going to have to go into the the hard stuff. Right. Yeah. When I'm, when I'm talking to people about that, um, the relationship side of it, um, cause you, like you just said, it's, it would be easy. We could say, yep, I'm done talking. I'm done with them. You know, and, and I have done that with people. And then, you know, now I look back on it 20, 30 years later and go, you know, dude, that wasn't really, <laughs> that wasn't constructive. What you did was you did something reactive that you made work for you, but did that really work in the scheme of the big picture, long-term kind of stuff? And, so and the, there, that's not always bad. There are relationships, no. you know, there are relationships that in that moment, if it helped you, you know, in that moment, that is perfectly fine. You know, we all make decisions and you, in, in that moment, you needed that. So I, right. I don't want to put like a bad connotation. I literally, no, I know it's, it feels like, it, it, but it feels, you know, some of it feels reactive. And I guess the one, one thing that I, when I'm coaching people and, you know, um, when we're doing that stuff, when I'm coaching people, as I'm saying, what's your commitment to this relationship? What's your commitment to this person? So when like we're in the office and I'm dealing with a manager, sub, you know, subordinate role, I hate the word subordinate, but you get the idea, manager, direct report. Um, it's like, ah, I just don't know what to do with them. And it's to the point where they're ready to give up. And I says, what is your commitment to them? Well, I want them to be succeed- successful. Okay. You want them to be successful. What's your commitment to your part in them being successful? What do they, what do you need from them or what do you need them to do so they can be successful? Are you willing to make the commitment to doing that? I go, no, I really, that's not me. It's okay. Then you need to give yourself permission to behave differently, but recognize that, you know, that's, you have to be honest with yourself about back to your, your, um, your salary thing. What's, what's the investment you're willing to make Absolutely. in, 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 in context to your commitment and your integrity, your value system and all that stuff, because we can get mad at somebody and cut them off. That doesn't necessarily, that doesn't go through the filter of how does this support my values? It just tells me that I'm pissed off at them in the moment. I'm going to cut them off. That that doesn't that's not the litmus test that you're putting people through. The litmus test you're putting through people through is okay. Who am I? What do I stand for? Where am I going? What's important to me, right? And is this going to work? No, I don't really see myself spending time on that. Okay, good. Then let it go. Really? Yeah, let it go. And I'm sure a lot of people go, really? I can give myself permission to let that go. Well, if you think it's going to kill you, yes. If you think it's toxic to you, yes. If it's going to put you in debt, yes. Right. And even, funny is even if it's not bringing you joy, like those are big consequences that you just listed. But my, my challenge is if it's just not bringing you joy, that's fine too. That's just fine of a reason. And it can always be a break. It doesn't have to be a breakup or a permanent, you know, Hey, I just need a little break right now. Um, but I think what you said about, about, um, you know, what are you, what's your, what are you willing, what's that relationship important to you? How important is this relationship mm-hmm. goes perfectly with personal relationships too understanding I want this to be my lifetime partner, for example, you might say, okay, I need to give them a path to be the partner I need them to be and to have that open conversation about what I can do to be their partner as well. You know, it's, it's, it's that dialogue and what am I willing, like you just said in, in the workplace piece, what am I willing to give and do 
Um, and also, is that enough for the relationship? So it's, it works perfectly in a personal relationship too, beyond just boss and direct report. Um, it's it, same things can uh, can apply. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I, I love the way you've broken this down because when we're talking about all this stuff, it's like, it's not financial, but there's so much of it is, is financial. But what it, what at the core of all this stuff is authentic, honest conversations with yourself first. Yeah. Yes. That's a perfect way to put it. Authentic conversations with yourself, with taking out all the noise. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like- and, and then the next conversation is, okay, this is, this is who I am. This is where I am. And in respect to who I am, where I am is like, okay, what's working, what's not working, and where, what do I, where do I, what do I want to do? Where do I start? And that's what you say is the first thing I start with some things that just, it's like low hanging fruit. It's those key steps to get moving in the direction I want to get. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then then after I get some momentum, then I decide, okay, now we're going to really do the hard work and I'm going to blow things up. Mm -hmm. And that's when you do the promotions to paychecks. So that's, those are the big steps. They're not the low hanging fruit. They are the big decisions. And then the budget cuts, which are not just budgeting. It is, I am cutting this for my budget. I am no longer in the financial world having Starbucks coffee, but it's in your physical, you know, your own personal Mm -hmm. world. I'm no longer here for being on the PTA, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever the cut is. (laughs) Right. I like, you know, I really like this. I'm kind of funny. I'm thinking like, gosh, you know, I need to spend more time with you, but, um, cause I, I'm hearing my, seeing myself getting hung up on places where I know, but I haven't decided to do the hard work. Cause you did say the hard work, which is, which is a language that I don't know what your experience is with your clients or prospective clients. But when you talk about do the hard work, have you ever noticed they just kind of cringe and get nervous? Yeah. Well, it is, it is very, you would get, I would get nervous if someone said do the hard work. Yes. Cause I know that, I know that we're going to get into some deep things, right? I know, but life, I don't know, life is hard anyway. And the hard work, if it makes life easier on the backside, you know, or, you know, less difficult, it's worth it because that's the, you know, that's the raise, right? We do hard work at work with the idea to get the promotion, to get the raise, to get the recognition. I mean, we sacrifice all the time, sometimes subconsciously, we just kind of, you know, grind it out and don't think about it. But isn't that what we really do? We're, we're putting in the extra effort. We're putting in the extra time, the extra enthusiasm, the extra energy to get to that next spot. Right. And what you're asking, encouraging us to do is go through that same effort, but this is more conscious. Mm-hmm. It's more intentional. Um, and yeah. it, it, go ahead. Oh, and I say, I would argue, you said life, you know, life is meant to be hard. Or is hard, is hard. Life is Life hard. is hard. And I would and I would say there are aspects that are difficult, but I think we make life so much harder than it really needs to be. I really think so. A big part of this is simplify, right? And I think we make things a lot harder. I would love to talk. I know we're about to be on the break, but I would love to talk about um, joy killers and soul suckers some more. Um, give some examples of those bills. Well, now we know what we're, now we know what we're going to do when we come back for break. We're going to talk about joy killers and what was the other one? Soul suckers, joy killers, and soul suckers. Those—that sounds like a fun topic. You know, too bad we don't have visuals. I would, I'd like to know what kind of cartoons you have for these yeah. things. But anyway, yeah, we're going to come back, and um, Jess is going to talk to us about soul suckers and joy killers. Sounds like things I would take on the boat with me when I go fishing. But anyway, this is David Cook. Uh, come back in a couple of minutes, and we'll continue this great conversation. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. 
We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope, and according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific. Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. And we're back. So we, before we took our break, we started talking about joy killers and soul suckers. And though these are not things you buy at the bait shop to go fishing. So anyway, um, Jess, you wanted to make sure we talk about this. So the floor is yours. Tell us a little bit about things that are joy killers and soul suckers in this whole process. I will. And uh, during the break, David and I were talking, this is not always the most glamorous part of soul salary. Hopefully we can end on a positive note. Um, But these are, these are not negative. I would say though, these are your bills. It is currently what drains you well we did talk we did talk about this you know the hard work part and i don't you know i mean obviously we don't want to spend a lot of time like saying oh my god it's hard work because that doesn't sound energizing but we have to recognize that there's heavy lifting when we're doing transformational change there's going to be heavy lifting there's There's no denying there's heavy lifting to drop your baggage isn't that funny you're lifting it's ironic yeah it's just like just drop it no it's not that easy i'm holding on to it for a reason that's i understand let's talk about the reasons you're holding on to it that's what you're going to talk about what's the impact of holding on to it what can you do to let go of it etc etc so anyway i interrupted you have at it so joy killers um, are really what i call like the out of touch expectation so out of touch with your true self or also others or societal expectations on you so i'll give you an example from a young age, I realized that society and praise comes from doing exceptional. Get all those straight A's. Um, be in the top of your class. Go be an engineer. There's only, when I got my engineering degree, only 17% of engineers were women. So, you know, I'm, I'm showing them, right? I'm getting all that praise and that accolades. In my engineering career, I was very successful. I was getting pro- promotions at a pretty impressive rate. 
Um, so it was very focused on how do I get that praise? How do I move forward um, in that and continuing to look for that? And so that was really an out of touch expectation for me. I was trying to get the accolades outside of myself and that were not a part of my true nature. Um, and I wouldn't say that um, I, I do not regret my engineering career at all, but engineer as a whole is not perfectly aligned to who I am, right? Obviously, I'm doing a whole career change. It's very different. Um, I do love processes. So that part of engineering, I loved. And I love the people management. But truly, when I was a child, when people asked me what I wanted to be, I said a teacher. And I spent a lot of time typing stories on my mom's typewriter and laid them to the night. Um, so I really enjoyed teaching and writing um, as a child. And slowly that changed into you know, what's going to be the most impressive. Um, and that really was an out of touch expectation I had for myself. So it wasn't just society and what I see there. It was really an out of touch um, expectation that I had of myself. So that's an example of a joy killer. Um, and it really takes, you know, some self-reflection to realize that's, you know, that's not in alignment with me. And that's, mm -hmm. that's what the book kind of takes you through. And then to give you an example of a soul sucker, it's what we talked about earlier, David, with the limiting beliefs and fears. Um, so an example of a limiting belief that I had, again, from it's really from mom hustle culture. And it's, you know, you're the mom martyr. You you, you do everything. Um, you make sure that you parent like you don't work and work like you don't parent. That's the, that's the limiting belief that I had learned from from becoming a mother, that's that's what a good mother was. You parent like you don't work and you work like you don't parent. So at work, you show up everything, you meet your timelines and at, you do not miss a single recital or, or, you know, you are PTA president. You are, you know, you, you show up completely in both. And then what what's left for mom? What's left for dad? You know, nothing, really nothing. And so, um, or very little. So definitely many, many parents, I would say a lot of moms um, are in that burnout phase. You know, they're working, they're doing the hustle, they're doing the mom monitor thing, they're working their 50 to 60 hours a week, and they're just in burnout or close to burnout, and certainly not meeting their their joy needs, much less their basic needs. Um, so that's an example of a soul sucker that is very prevalent in society um, that ends up becoming our own limiting belief. We take it on. Mm. You know, I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking about that, you know, the idea of, of a parent is, you know, the, and it's been like, I think you're right. You know, it's, it's, it's in the mom hustle. I like that. But it's a badge of honor, right? Trying to do it all. I'm doing it all. And look at how busy I am and I'm doing it all. And um, the, the question underneath all that is, okay, yes, I'm doing that all. I call attention to the fact that I'm doing it all. I'm doing the best that I can, you know, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the underlying thing is, okay, good. So how's your career going? Your your soul career? How's your career? Yeah, you feeling good about it? No, man, I'm exhausted. I'm beat up. I can't do it all, but I feel like I have to do it all. Yes. Oh, that's a good limiting belief. I have to. Anything with I have to is a limiting oh, belief. Oh, <laughs> really? Yes. I have to? No, there's oh no Oh my gosh. To. There's no have really? to. Really? I get to. If it's an I get to, then it's authentic. If it's I oh, have you're like the third, you're like the third person out of 28 episodes that's dropped that on me. It's like, oh my gosh, really I get to. How do I spin that? How do you turn that around? Because I feel like there's times where I just have to. I don't feel, I don't feel like I get to. I feel like I have to. And even though some of the things are things that I honestly, truly, honestly, truly want to do, but then I get into that moment, it's like, oh my God, that's right. I gotta go do that. And it like you said, what it does is it brings the energy level down 
because I'm honoring a commitment that actually is very important to me, but I've made it, you know, back to that four letter word, I've made it work. I've made it hard. Instead of saying, I get to be in alignment with myself by doing this. Yeah. And I, I also say should is not a good enough reason to do anything. People will be like, oh, I should, I should be a part of the PTA. I know I keep using the example, but it's just not something that I'm into. So I'll use that example. But you know, I I should be on the PTA and really um really support. Okay, well, should's not a good enough reason. Give me a reason why you want to be on that. Yeah, you know should's I mean? should's a shame word. You know, it's yeah. it's yeah. it's it, we're shaming ourselves. I should. That means like there is something deficient in me, and if I don't, so I have to, I okay. should, you know, because now if I don't, that makes me less than. I'm not the parent I need to be, or I'm not the citizen I need to be or whatever. We're putting expectations on ourselves that aren't really energizing. Right. And honestly, like a should statement is not horrible if you can turn it into a, I want to, I get to, I, you know, maybe it's, I should be on the PTA. Actually, that's not what I meant. I really love Halloween and I want to be a part of the Halloween committee, right? Like that's, that's a different thing. Um, And, you know, I'm not saying when you say I have to, I should to, you know, that that's bad. It's more of a reframe in your mind. And that's what soul, that's how soul suckers can be reduced is you say, okay, if I could reframe this into, I want to, I desire to, I get to, then it's authentic. If you can't, then it's not. If it's still an, I should, I have to, um, you know, I, you know, I, those type of things. And it's, it's not authentic to you and it's coming from a different place. Excellent. Well, that really helps. Um, it does, and it, when you when you put it in the context that you put it, soul suckers and joy killers, I don't think that it's as negative as you thought it was. Um, it's just being aware of the just like you know the self limiting beliefs and stuff like that. Things that get in the way of us celebrating the life we desire. Mm-hmm. And but the things that get in the way of being a high earner in soul salary, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. like how you know most people I would say are minimum wage or middle class. There's, when you take my quiz, there's very few that would be in the high earner status. And I would say, even if you are read the high earner chapter at the end of the book, right? Cause that still gives you like, how do you stay a high earner? Like great that you got there. Now, how do you stay there? And Dave, you mentioned something really cool, which is, you know, your energy going down when you're talking to yourself in a certain way, or like, I have to, I should, I would say when you become high earner and you have changed that mindset it, and high earner is not like a, you're here and you stay here forever. Just like anything you have to continue. I say you give yourself an annual review, right? And you say, okay, kind of slip back in the middle class. We got to get back up there. But the high earner piece, when you get there or close to, or, you know, upper middle class, you have now raised your energy or like what I call it, raised your vibration, which is like woo woo for, you know, really um, just having a different energy about you, a more warm, inviting, joyous energy. When you do that, when all of us prioritize being a high earner in soul salary, you make a profound impact on the world. Each person makes a profound impact on the world. That is my goal. I want to spread love and joy broadly and make a profound impact on the world. And I'm hoping that this book changes one person each time that someone reads it. And that one person ripples to all there. I know that's very cliche, but I truly believe that when you raise your energy level to joy and fulfillment and love, you then change the chemistry around you, the energy fields around you. It's funny that you say that because um, one of the things, one of my personal life experiences, and, you know, I'm using this in this podcast, but one of, one of my historical life experiences that when I do something, you talked about expectations earlier, when I do something, I decide what it what success looks like 
And so sometimes I put, sometimes I put revenue on it. Sometimes I put, you know, people that contacts and all that stuff, but I create these expectations for how I'm going to measure impact. And then when it falls short, I am really disappointed and I lose energy for the thing that I'm doing. Then sometimes I've even quit and say, well, I can't get there. Screw it. You know, cause it's, you know, the, the energy is so negative and it's so defeating and back to the stuff in my head about, you know, self-limiting and beliefs. Well, I thought I could do it. Obviously I can't move on to something else. Um, but the, the thing that, that comes with that, that, that I'm doing like with this radio show, that's so much different. Cause you, you know, when you talked about, it sounds cliche, but it's not cliche is I'm really not tracking my viewership numbers on this. I am tracking it. But I use it as information. Are my numbers going up or going down? What episodes were more popular than others, et cetera, et cetera, right? And what are and what were things that were in that that I think resonated? And how can I do more of that? But I'm not getting caught up with how do I get my numbers up? Because for me, getting my numbers up is so toxic to the mission. Yeah. So I'm just saying, saying, I'm not obsessing about the numbers. I'm looking at the data. So that I have information, but I'm not using that data to change my path or my course because it is about impact. I have a message I want to share. I have a story I want to share. I have a belief I want to share, as do you. And it's like I'm going to I'm going to be present to who I am in the moment with that stuff because that's authentic and that's where the energy lies. Right. So you, that's interesting that you say that because um, in the legacy chapter where, where you kind of figure out how you how you gain fulfillment, what I what I say after you make your legacy statement, there's a whole bunch of exercises to get you there. Um, is you ask yourself why, and then you do it again and again and again. And that's actually an engineering and business technique. Is you know they call it the five whys or just why why, and you just keep mm -hmm. asking the root. And so an example from me <clears throat> was I said, you know, I want to write a book. That was my first statement. Okay, cool. Why? Because I want to time travel, which means I write this book and my great, great grandchildren will not know me, but they will read my book and I get to be there with them through my book. Right. Cool. Well, why? I want to spread love and joy so that the world is a better place, um, that it, so that the world is joyous and loving. Right. Cool. You know, and so that's the wise. Right. It goes it went from I want to write a book because that's on my bucket list to. I want to spread love and joy broadly to the world. You know, like that's mm -hmm. you get to that root. And like you said, with this, with this mission of the, of the podcast, it's, I want to get out there and talk to people and be present with people. And that's why I'm not looking at exactly what numbers. Right. And so it's more about, I said it, I've been out there and it's out there into the world. So whoever sees it, it's making a difference. Right. I mean, yes. Do I want to mon monetize it? Sure. Am I going to, to create a different business model with this to monetize it? E yes, to some extent, if I have to, but I'm not going to change the core value or mission of the podcast because if I do, if I make it about, you know, making it monetizable, then I'm making the podcast about the money and not the mission. Right. And, and when you do, when I do that, as you know, I shouldn't say when you do that, but when I do that, I know I corrupt it. And once I corrupt it, it's hard to go back to the noble cause of what does the, what, what was I doing this for in the first place? What was driving me and motivating me? And you could, you just like you in the book, you know, you would like, you had a great mission for it, time travel. I have a, I have a um, message that I want to share. I know that it has impact. Yes. Are you trying to sell more books? Sure. Who wouldn't? Why you wrote a book and you're selling it. So there's a reason that you're selling it. But if you started to obsess about, 
you know, how do I get people to buy my book? Then it becomes about the money that you're going to earn from the book and not necessarily about the mission or the value or the legacy that motivated you to write the book in the first place. Yeah. So you go into a scarcity mindset instead of an abundance. Oh, scarcity mindset. Look at that. When you're saying, oh, I'm not selling enough. That's a scarcity mindset and you become panicky. Oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do this. I need to do that. Instead of I attract, I do not chase. I am here to be my authentic self wherever I can. Podcasts, I'm sending out, I'm sharing, um, you know, I'm, I'm sharing my story and I, I know that the right podcast will come to me because I attract, I do not chase. And that's an abundant mindset. I know that the right context will come to me while I'm continuing to do my authentic work. Hmm. Very good. I, I like that. I attract, I don't chase. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, obviously I've got a little bit of dog in me because I do a lot of chasing. But anyway, I'm learning. <laughs> well, so, and very few. that's my method. But I, I will say a lot of um, what I men that I um, follow in the business realm do have a different way of doing things. And that's authentic to them, right? Maybe, you know, reaching out to each person is authentic to them. So I'm, I'm just saying that's what I personally, my mantra, it's not not for everybody. It doesn't have to be for everybody. (laughs) No, it doesn't. But there's, there is something to that is, is that the, you know, again, it's back to, you know, the why, like you said, why am I doing this? What's, what's behind this? And, you know, Simon Sinek has that whole thing of why it's about a belief system, right? If you convey to people why I'm doing what I'm doing first, this is my belief. This is my core construct, you know, just like this podcast, I believe that we can solve the world's problems if we just learned how to communicate with each other better mm-hmm. in a yeah. way where, where we're open, we're curious, we're collaborative, we're accepting. If we do those things, I believe that there's a lot of obstacles in our life that can be removed, but we're spending a lot of time telling people, we're arguing with people about the issue instead of collaborating with people about understanding the issue. And so one doesn't fix it and one does. And so they, you know, that's the core value of the podcast. But if I go, you know, it's the same with so Simon says, this is what I believe. This is why I do what I do. This is this is how I do what I do. And this is what I this is what I'm doing. You know what I do regularly. And then when he does that, what it does is it creates a value system for the mission and goes, oh, I can relate to that. Now you've drawn people in, which you said, right? I'm attracting that chasing. But if I was a sales guy, I'd say, yeah, you need to, you need to listen to my podcast. Why? Because it's going to be really good for you. And I have all these reasons why they would like it. I'm trying to convince them to do something that they're not necessarily, because I haven't given, I haven't teed up the value system for them. I've just teed up the idea that there's something that I think they could benefit from. But if I started with my value system, the why, go ahead. No, you said it. You said what I was about to say. You What's that? The, you start with the value system, you know, it's the it's shared, you know, share, don't sell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, and, and then that's that's why with the boundaries, what I do, what I will do, what I won't do. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's core value. That's integrity. Who am I? What When you see Dave Cook, what are you going to get from Dave Cook? Well, one thing you're going to get, what I will do, you're going to get this. One thing you're not going to do get is this because I won't do it. And so what I'm doing is I'm declaring in, you know, and obviously I don't share people what I mean, you know, my, my, what I will do and what I won't do, but over time, what they're experiencing, they're experiencing me in integrity to who I am as my value system, the, what and I will do, what I want. To. And you're experiencing yourself in your integrity, yeah. which I would and, say first step, you've got to trust yourself before you can trust yourself with others. Right. Yep. 
Well, I used to, when I was coaching moms and dads who were dealing with substance abuse in the family, you know, they always would, you know, what do I need to do to get my kid clean and all this other stuff? And we would go through the whole exercise and they would, you know, they'd say, yeah, I've been doing this for years. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. And they'd say, okay, good. Well, maybe we need to start doing something different. Well, what is it? And I said, you know, what would you, if you could do anything, what would you do? And say, I'd let them just experience the life as it is and hope he, you know, comes around, you know, doesn't mean I abandon him, but it's kind of like, instead of trying to fix and correct it and control it and do the driving, it's more like, okay, I love you. I'm going to stand right alongside of you, but your choices are your choices and your decisions are your decisions. And the consequences relating to it are also going to be yours. Mm-hmm. And parents go, oh my gosh, you know, but how does that work? Well, you have to trust that your love is enough. So when I say I love you and I'm always going to be alongside of you, doesn't mean you need to fix it. What you need to do is love them in the mess and trust that that's enough. And that's hard because parents say, yeah, but then what? You don't know, but you because you don't know the power of your love until you just trust in the power of your love. And then they can then you experience the difference that it makes in that situation. It may not change the situation per se, because addiction is addiction. It doesn't mean they're going to jump into recovery because they realize how much their mom and dad loved them. But there's something that comes from not arguing about clean or sober, but about just being present with your child in love wherever they are. They experience that and they go, one thing I know, my life is messed up, but my mom and dad love me. And for moms, is that enough? Yeah, trust that that's enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I love that. Loving, not controlling. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what you're saying. You're saying trust that my trust that who I am is enough for this. Well, yeah, yep, and and that's what you can control, right? You can't control the other person. You can only control how you show up, um, mm-hmm. yourself, your reactions, your the amount of love you give. Like you said, Dave, um, you are you being authentic to who you want to be? A loving parent, be a loving parent. Um, you're not going to be the one who fixes in the end. That um, child's really going to have to decide they want to fix it and fix it. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's the same thing with, with, you know, people that you're working with, whether you're, you know, in a subordinate relationship, sorry, um, direct report relationship or whatever. But that's the idea being is, is that you can, all you can do is coach, teach, encourage, love, and all that other stuff in the best way possible. If you know, the better, you know, the person you're working with, the more you can communicate on a level that works for them. But at the end of the day, they still have to do something. Mm -hmm. And, and, coaching, right? Like and you, you're life coaching and you, you know, you can coach as much as you want and help and support. But in the end, the client has to say, I'm ready to make that step. Just like this book, I'm ready to dive deep into my paychecks and bills. You have to be willing to do it and do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I would say with your podcast name, Stop Telling and Start Listening. I think my book is Stop Telling and Start Listening to Yourself. Yeah. I mean, like you're talking about, you know, these two different parties, which makes a lot of sense. And I love that concept um, to start listening to each other and, and understanding instead of, you know, having judgments, um, but similarly to ourselves, right? Like mm-hmm. let's start listening to our body's needs, our emotional needs, our mental needs, our um, spiritual needs, you know, what, what needs do we have that's listening? Also listening is, you know, a yes. When you, when you say like, is this authentic to me? A yes feels like warm and like joyful, and kind of giddy or like, you know, peaceful and a no in your body is like, is this authentic to me? It's like panicky or like, uh, you know, like I have to do that, like resentment. And, you know, there's your body tells you, is this authentic or not? And it's, it's really um, your job to stop telling and start listening. Yeah. (laughs) 
And well, I think that that's the but that's that goes back to the and the other thing, the other word that I used, and I don't, I think you you didn't use this term, but I I heard it in there is a give yourself permission to. You know, a lot of times we go, can I do that? Yeah, is that what you want to do? Yeah, then do it. Give yourself permission to do it. Yep, it's it's uh, aligning with with your desires, right? Soul salary is aligning with your desires and what you want and what feels like joy. And um, it it's actually like profound. To, it doesn't sound profound to say, but it's a profound to practice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have this book sitting somewhere. Where can I find the uh, book Soul Salary? Your soul salary. Your soul salary. Um, the book can be found on Amazon. So if you just put soul salary um, in there, it'll show up. And also it's on www.soulsalary.com where you can take the quiz to find out what your soul salary is right now. And you could buy the book. Which which way do we get the autograph copy? Oh, you know what? On your next trip from uh, Arizona to D- Detroit, stop in Chicago and we'll uh, we'll do a little autograph. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going through Chicago after my last experience on the highway, but um, maybe maybe I'll take the ferry across to Milwaukee and come down. You know, um, I've done that before. It's I'd be a lot more enjoyable than driving through 80 in Chicago. But anyway, um, all right. What other what's well, you got two minutes? What's what's the nugget? What's the one big takeaway that you want to make sure that everybody remembers? Number one, you can be a high earner. Anybody can. You are the CEO of your life. Act like it. Okay. So you get to, you are the CEO. You get to decide what you pay yourself. If you're have, you have a really good employee, don't you want to pay them more to keep them? Right. So you're the CEO of your life. Act like it and give yourself a higher earned soul salary. Go through, do the work, go through the book. It has workbooks within it. So as you, as you learn about it, you do the workbook piece. Um, so there's exercises throughout that step-by-step help you get there. Um, so take control. You're the boss. Take over. I love it. Okay. I'm going to have to get this book. I didn't, I I was going to read it before, but I didn't. So I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't because this way we had an opportunity to wing the conversation. I always have much more fun when I'm less educated and I can fill in all the blanks by talking to somebody. That's what this show's about, right? (laughs) That's what listening is all about. Curiosity and learning. So um, great. Jess, thank you so much for joining us. This was an awesome talk. It goes by so fast, but this was really good. I appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you so much. It was really fun. All right, people. Well, next week we will have another guest. Um, I think we're going to actually have a, um, uh, my guest is going to be Sharon Ray, and she's going to talk about um, what she does with families and listening. So it's going to be very much uh, another conversation about listening. This one, that one will be listening to others. This one was listening to yourself very much so. And in the meantime, remember, open your heart, open your mind, open your ears, because once you start listening, everything changes. This is David Cook with Stop Telling and Start Listening. I hope you all have a great week. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. We hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills. Until we listen again, have a beautiful week.